Good morning. How is everyone? If you have your Bibles, if you could open them to Matthew chapter 15, and there is an outline, a message outline right out the center doors there, right at that counter. Uh, we're going to continue on our series, I Didn't Know, even though this will be the last message of this series, and hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, next week, we'll start a new series. But today's message is your cultural glasses are blinding you. And um, we all look through these cultural glasses. We all have them. We all have them. And as we look through our cultural glasses, it can be quite challenging as we look out through the culture. Cultural lens is how we view things, is how we see things, is how we shape, are shaped by them. And oftentimes, it can be quite different than the Word of God, right? And what, what I want to do this morning is talk about our cultural glasses can blind us to God's Word. And there's a tension within it. As each of us wear these cultural glasses, it's how we see life. It's how we function. It's, it's the things that we believe. It's the things that we do. And the tricky thing with glasses is, is none, none of us ever intend to ever look at our glasses, take them off and look at our glasses. We look through our glasses, don't we? And what I want to do this morning is you to take off your glasses and examine your glasses, and let's get a new prescription. Let's get a new viewpoint. Allow that viewpoint to be God's Word is what we want to do. And what we're going to see that these cultural glasses that we have on that we're influenced by as we look through them, often the main reason we disobey God's word because we see things through the culture. We're starting to believe what the culture said. Let me give you an example. Today you hear people say that if we just, inside the church, that if we just love Jesus, that if everybody would just love Jesus, everything would be great, right? It sounds like good. I believe in that statement. I agree with that statement. But the problem is, the word love and the word Jesus has kind of been twisted in our culture. And the word love has so many different connotations to it, doesn't it? When you say love, the word may mean a, a, a commitment to someone. Someone cherishes someone. But it also can be rooted in a lust. You can be saying, boy, I love that apple pie. Or I love that movie. Or I love that whatever it is, that uh, musical band. And maybe even be conditional love. Uh, where it's conditioned. As long as they treat me all right, as long as they love me, then I will love them. It has so many different meanings. It's not even talk about sexuality. When we get to that, love changes drastically. And then we get to the word Jesus. Even the word Jesus in our, in our culture, for some, Jesus is that humble servant. For others, Jesus is the one who controls their life in such a way they don't want to be controlled. And some, he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And, and for some, it means he's that friend next door. He's that faithful friend who's always, always good, always loves us, and he's never judging us. He doesn't care really what we do. He just wants us to, to be happy, and he just wants us to feel good about ourselves. And anything that makes us happy, that's what Jesus is all for. And then others, they look at Jesus and his family division and strife and challenge, and that's how they view Jesus. So when we say we just want people to love Jesus, when we actually say that, we mix that with the cultural view of love in Jesus, we say it might not be as strong as we want it to be. And it might be very confusing to people to hear that. What does that mean to you? Another one, you might hear people say, well, let's just follow God. And people like to say that. If we all would just follow God, everything would be fine. But who are we talking about? Are we talking about the Muslims, the Buddhists, Hindus, their gods? What false gods are we talking about? Are we talking about the, the, the God of Scripture who can only be known through His Son, Jesus Christ? Because hopefully you realize that when people talk about God in our culture, they're not talking about this Bible, the God of the Bible. They're talking about God that might have taken some things from the God of the Bible and either added on or taken something away. But it's not the God of the Bible could only be known through his son. And they're talking about God, the God they want him to be. So it's a made-up God, a false God. And that's what many all religions are. 
But we're talking about, so which God are they talking about? So we just can't say, why don't they just follow God for that? It's the many different people. And what, what my goal today is that you and I become of our cultural glasses because these cultural glasses are out there. They're out there, and we have them, and they do affect us. The world's view affects us in how we view things today. And so in our Bible passage this morning is Jesus confronts the Pharisees and the scribes very quickly, and he uses very precise words. So let's read Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 6 together this morning. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses, who, anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So this morning, if you have your outline, I want to give you two ways to overcome your cultural glasses. And the first one is you must honor God's word above your culture. You must honor God's word above your culture. Let's put this in context. Jesus' ministry at this time was on the rise, and he's coming more and more known throughout the land. And the Pharisees and the scribes within Galilee, they're teaching and they're talking about Jesus and they're challenging Jesus is what he's saying. And now here comes the, the, the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law from Jerusalem. These are the heavyweights. These are the big hitters. These are the ones that are coming. And they go head to head with Jesus. And there's a confrontation between them and Jesus. The Pharisees are challenging Jesus about a consistent tradition that the priest, those who were in the temple would wash their hands. And they say to Jesus in verse 2, why don't your disciples wash their hands before they eat? And Jesus, at this very moment, they're, uh, they're kind of challenging him about hand washing. He doesn't back down. He doesn't back down. Many other times we see Jesus kind of slips in, but he doesn't back down. And the leaders are jumping on his back, but G Jesus jumps right back. And he says, no, what you're saying is not true. What you're saying is not true. And Jesus uses very specific language, what he's sharing with them. And the Pharisees ask, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replies in verse 3, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And so within this head-on collision, this confrontation, what we see here, the center of Jesus' counter-complaint against the Pharisees and the teachers of the law is they care more about their traditions and what the culture is saying than what God's Word is saying. And he actually kind of points it out in verse 3 and 6. He says, for the sake of your traditions, you do this. For the sake of your traditions, he says it twice. He says, this is, what, uh, this is what God's Word says, and this is what God's Word said, what you're saying. He said, what you're saying is your traditions. Those things that you have come up with, those things that you've made up, what you think is right, what you say, that's what you say is what he's saying. But this is not the lens that I think you should be looking through. You're not looking through the correct lens is what he's saying. And Jesus pick up, picks up the issue of parents with them. And that would be very familiar to them. And he compares and contrasts Exodus chapter 20 and 21 with Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew 15 here in verse 4, he says, For God said, Honor your father and mother. This is one of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And then he also quotes from Exodus chapter 21, verse 15. And later on in verse, second part of verse 4. He says that anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. He contrasts it to what they say in verse 5 and 6. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise receive from me 
is a gift devoted to God. He is not to honor his father with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God uh, for the sake of your tradition. Let me explain what's kind of happening here. There was a Hebrew word called Corbin at that time. And Corbin is something you would uh, dedicate or consecrate to the temple or to God. You would give it to God. And then it became off limits. Once you did that, it became off limits. You couldn't touch it. They gave that to God, so it's off limits. Also, contextually within this context of what is going on at that time, if you're a young person and your parents are gaining in age, and I like that word, gaining in age. At my, I'm gaining in age. I like to think that. In other words, if your parents are getting older, and that's what it means, your responsibility was to care for them. That's what Jesus pointed out. That was what God wanted. So Jesus brings out the commandment. Honor your father and mother is what he says. The religious leaders, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they said, no, no, what is greater is the gift to God. You give it to God. You give it to the temple. You declare Corbin. Then it's off limits. And they're saying it's greater. They said that's actually greater than honoring mom and dad. It's greater to give it and, and give it to God and, and dedicate it to God. They voided what God's word said. And they came up with their own tradition, their own commandments. You see what I'm saying there? They made their own rules. God said, honor your father and mother, take care of them when they get older. And here's what they're saying. Oh, no, no. What I'm going to give to my mom and dad, I'm going to dedicate it to God. I'm going to give it to the temple. I'm going to do those things. And they said, that's even better. Jesus said to them, he's implying that I want you to take off your cultural lens. I want you to take off those glasses. And I want you to reshape because you're, and look at your view. I want you to look at your view because you're nullifying the word of God for the sake of your traditions, is what he's saying. For the sake of your culture is what you're doing. As you nullify the word of God, you're watering it down further and further, is what he's saying right there. And he says, you have set aside the word of God in such a way that now the culture has become more important to you. What other people are saying in your culture, in your rules, the rules of men. We do this in our own lives, don't we? We have this today. We take the culture and maybe we take the culture and make it a priority God's word today. We see that. Things happening today in our culture has got to the point where our culture, our lens in our culture has been so thick, the lens is, and so tainted, so tainted because culture is changing so fast, right? What's right today is maybe not right tomorrow. And people are finding it out. And it begins to void or nullify the word of God in our lives. Even the gospel of Jesus Christ today, there are some churches and there are some pastors are not standing up for that Jesus is the only way. They're starting to compromise a little bit. They don't say it out loud, but they're compromising and they're letting it because they're, they're giving in to the other religions because the pressure is getting on them. And they're, they're saying that if someone sincerely, really sincerely believes and they really believe that, then possibly God would accept that belief. Because culture and our society is putting pressure on them. And they want to remove the name of Jesus. They want to remove the voice of God. They don't want to hear that Jesus is the only way. So the world, what they want to do is, in the culture, wants to remove Jesus completely out of the picture. Let's take him out of the picture. And let's say there's many ways. There's not only one way. They want to remove that. And there's traditions that have been put in place, sometimes by the church, but oftentimes outside of the church, that has completely changed the way we look at God's word today. And you know, there are many people today in our society are trying to completely erase the voice of God. And we see the culture is changing, as I said before, what is true today may not be true tomorrow. And what some people who have led the charge, led the charge in this culture change, in a year from now, they found out that culture has come against them. 
What they stood on at one time, all of a sudden the culture changes so fast. It shifts so fast, so fast today. And so they want to erase what the Bible has to say today about marriage and abortion and gender and right and wrong. And people would say, as, as God spoke, it wasn't relevant to our culture today. It was relevant back then, but this is 2,000 years ago. So it wasn't relevant for us. And some people would say when God spoke that he actually didn't speak. This is just the writings of men. And so what they're saying is saying that, there are even some that say that God doesn't even exist. And what this all comes down to today, what we have is humanism. Humanism. And it's where mankind is the answer for all things. Listen at them. We've got the answer for everything. And they take God out of the equation, what they're doing. They're taking him completely out of the equation. And what people end up saying, what we actually need to do today is we would need to worry about mankind because that's the most important thing. We need to worry about right now. And if we do that, mankind will take care of themselves. What mankind thinks will actually sort things out for what mankind needs. And mankind will be the savior of themselves. That's what they're saying. Taking God out of the equation. They're really putting the focus on us as human beings. And it's humanism to the extreme. And it always gets me when I hear this stuff that we can't create human beings, we can't create the earth, we can't create the universe, but somehow we can save them. Somehow we think we have the ability and the power to save them. And it's humanism, where they want to erase God's word and put on our cultural glasses and our cultural lens, and that we begin to determine what we think, what we believe. And it's infected the church. It's affected many Christians. And we see things like that. So Jesus points this out, this very specific problem, out to them. Let me illustrate it. Today in our culture, people highly favor and highly value feelings, don't they? Feelings is superior to everything. It's how I feel, and it's the feelings. And I'll just leave it there. If you and I are not happy about something, if I'm not happy about something, we need to change that. That's the way our culture is today. That's why it's changing so rapidly, because we're not happy. If something doesn't make me happy, and I'm not happy, it can't be from God because God wants me to be happy. And so if I'm not happy, this isn't good. This isn't good that I'm not happy because God wants me to be satisfied and happy. So it can't be from God. So I have to change that. Well, how does it affect us? How does it affect our view on marriage? Over the years, I've met with couples and counseled them. And I had some come in to me and they're not happy in their marriage. And what they say right away is I want out of it. I want to get out because I'm not happy. And God wants me to be happy. I should be happy. Don't I deserve to be happy? And where did they get that? Through the lens of their culture. They start to believe what the culture is saying to them. And they believe that, that God truly wants them to be happy. And that's all that matters. It's that they're happy today. And, and because that's happening. And many Christians, what I find today, are looking at God's word through the culture. Through the lens of the culture. And they're looking at the culture, and they're, they're looking at God's Word, but they look at it through what's happening in the culture, and then they read God's Word to see if it's right or wrong. And, and they don't look at God's Word and then look at culture. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. And what they say, if the culture says it, and if everyone believes it, and people have spoken, and the majority has spoken, then that's how the authority is today in our culture. Majority rules. Whatever they say, it starts with one person. If someone says something, say, boy, I believe we should be doing this. And someone else, hey, that's a good idea. I think we ought to do it. The more comes on, the more they do it. More, no moral reason. The whole reason behind it, because I'm not happy. And I believe I deserve to be happy. And I think if we do this and we change this, then it's going to make me happy. But will it make them happy? Yes or no? Oh, come on. Will it make them happy? 
Of course not. So what are they going to do? They're going to change something else. That's why culture changes. God's word never changes. Never changes. Culture constantly changes this. What we need to say, oh, what, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, uh, the example of this can be multiplied out even further into things that are political. We get the gender, we get the race, we get the money, we get the love can be multiplied. The bottom line is, is this. We must honor God's word above our culture. We must do that. As believers in Jesus Christ, as Christians, we have to say, as we look at God's word, we have to allow God's word to shape our view and what we believe. But we can't flip that. We can't flip that and say, we can't say, because culture says this, then God's word has to say this. You understand what I'm saying? We have to say, God's word says this, because God's word says this, this is what I'm allowed to do in the culture. Does that make sense? We have to do that. It's so important. And, and, and what, what is happening, and I'm going to share this a little bit later too, is that many people today, what they're doing is they look at the culture, and guys, whether you realize it or not, you're influenced by it yourself. You see something in the culture, hey, that's pretty good. And they already buy into what the culture is saying, and they believe it. And so they go to the Word of God, and they find a verse or two to back it up. And that's what many Christians do today. And so they say, oh, it's biblical. And they're fine from the Bible, and they're finding a verse to back up what they've already predetermined what they're going to believe. Does that sound right? might sound right to you, but it's not. We're to allow the Bible to help us to determine what we believe and what we accept. We read the Bible first before we predetermine what we believe and what we accept. It's the Word of God. And so there's a huge difference there, and we have to watch out for that. And see, the more you back down, the more that you say, well, you know, my view is old-fashioned, you know, and I, I can say that. I'm getting up there in years. I'm getting up there in age, and my view is old-fashioned. And maybe we, the more we do that, the more we start saying, you know, this book is 2,000 years old, because that's what they tell you. It's 2,000 years old. How could it be relevant? The more we do that, the more we compromise. And we compromise God's word. And we buy into what the culture is saying. And we start to believe it. And we start to think that it's actually biblical. And, and I'm not saying everything in the culture is wrong, but I would say a lot of it is. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. What we need to say, yes, things are changing. You know what? They're changing. They're changing fast. But we need to put the brakes on is what we need to do right now. And what we need to do is say as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, I will not allow God's word to be void in my life. Right? I will not allow it to be void that I'm going to raise it up to such a standard, and I'm going to honor God's Word. And when something comes against God's Word, I'm going to say, no, that's not from God. I'm not going to, not going to believe that. I'm not going to accept that, right? And when something comes against God's Word, we have to fight back. Say, I'm not going to accept that. No, no, that's not for me. That's not for my family. The question comes in, how do we do that? And this is how we do it. There's a second way in your notes to overcome your cultural glasses. Number two, your actions and decisions must follow God's Word. Uh, your actions and decisions must follow God's Word. We just don't honor God's Word. We have to act upon it. Just can't say, yeah, I'm all for the Bible, but it's going to be played out in your decisions, right? And your actions. That's where you're going to see, are you really believing it? Do you really accept it? Or is it just words? Just words that come off our lips. Or do we really believe this? Jesus calls these guys out. And this is the language that he uses in Matthew 15, verse 7 through 9. He says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus calls them out and says, You hypocrites, your lips and your hearts 
are far from me, is what he's saying. And they're far from each other. They don't even agree to each other. And he says, you're saying one thing, but they don't match your heart, or they don't match my heart. And then he goes on to illustrate in Matthew 15, verse 7. He says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Because 700 years earlier, uh, Isaiah had gathered before him a group of Jews that were there, and he said, you have this problem. Your traditions don't match up with the Word of God, and because they don't match up with the Word of God, I'm calling you out. And that's what he does in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. Isaiah addresses the prophets in the audience, and he talks to them. And Jesus is doing the exact same thing. That's what he's doing here. And he's saying the problem they had during Isaiah's time is exactly the problem we're having now. We could say that today. We could actually say that today. Because the Jews in their day were preserving the spirit of holiness, but they were not holding fast to God's word. They were saying they were doing this like they're saying, oh, we're keeping the spirit of holiness. We're going to give, but we're going to give it to God, not to our parents. But they were holding fast to his word. They were twisting it. They were compromising it. And the only thing you and I can do in our heart and my heart is to combat this and to honor God's word. To honor God's word with our actions, actions and our decisions. We have, to, we, we have to do that. They had this religious form. On the outside, they acted holy, but on the inside, they were empty. They were not following God. We see people do that today. On the outside, they want to act holy, and, and boy, I'm walking with God. On the inside, they're empty. They're not following God at all. And so we have this opportunity. Because we have this opportunity today, we get to have a new prescription, a new set of lens, a new viewpoint you and I get to get. And, and the way we get this new viewpoint is through the preaching of the Word, guys. Come on Sunday morning, get the preaching through the Word, through the teaching of the Word, through the Bible studies, through the studying of the Word of God. As we get to get this new viewpoint, we get to get this new uh, uh, prescription of lens. And, and if we start looking at it through God's Word and studying His Word, our lives will change. And we allow God to mold and change our viewpoint, because that's what God wants to do. And when we start to mold and change our viewpoint, we start to see God's teaching on marriage, that sex before marriage is wrong. doesn't matter what the culture says. God said it's wrong. We start to see God's teaching when it comes to creation, that he created human beings, male and female, not many different genders. We start to get his teaching on how God views life, that he believes in the sanctity of life, that life at the moment it's conceived, it's precious to God because it's made in the image of God, so abortion is wrong. We start to get and understand God's teaching when he talks about the, that people left by themselves. When people go and left by themselves to figure things out, they go astray. They always, always fall away from God. And the Bible tells us, and in Jeremiah 17, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. In Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, it says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God, it tells us. And you and I have to follow God's word and his ways. And every time we're left to ourselves, do you realize every time we're left to ourselves, it leads to destruction, hurt, and dead-end streets. Every time, not sometimes. The Bible doesn't say sometimes when you go astray, when you do your own thing, it turns out good. No. The Bible lets us know every time, every time we do our own thing apart from God, somebody's going to get hurt. And it's going to destroy lives. And it always leads to a dead-end street. Oh, this didn't work out, so I'm going to go down this path and this path. And God tells us, be very careful of what you're doing. So here's the truth. We must be careful what's going on. The values of our culture that we resonate with are the values of our heart many times. 
And some of you might not even realize that these values that you say, boy, I believe that what they're saying about that. And it's, it's the values of our heart. And the reason we resonate with them, the reason we hold true to them, even higher sometimes than God's word. And we say, boy, it, it, it's got to be truth because we like them. Because they make us feel good. Because they uh, 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 make life easier. Because, boy, the world is saying it. Everyone, you listen to the news, listen to the, any stations, everyone's saying it on TV, you watch any show, they're all saying it. And it just seems easy to just, yes, I'm just going to be on board with them all, and I'm not going to be in that confrontation. And it's so easy. But isn't what God says sin is? Doesn't it what he says sin is? That the things that are far from me, that anything that is opposed to God, it seems which our culture clings to, and many times we cling to as well, it's the things that are apart from God. And as we look at our culture, I mean, I've never seen a time in my life where it seems like almost every decision that our culture is making today is, is opposing God's word. I mean, there's very few, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but boy, everything that comes out, it just doesn't seem like it's right with God's word. It's just in conflict so many times. I'm not saying everything, but many of the things that are coming up, we see, and we're like, wow. Even some of the laws that are being passed, you look at it and say, wow, that's in really conflict with this word. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, a great verse. If you don't have it memorized, jot this down and live your life by it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, brothers and sisters or believers in Christ, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God, holy and pleasing, this is your spiritual act of worship. This is how we worship God. And then he goes on and tells us how to do it. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. To the culture is what he's talking about. The culture of the world. Do not do that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His, per His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And what he's saying here, through the transforming of our mind, through the word of God, it's through this word, not through what we read in the news, what media is saying, through the TV shows, through the movies. It's through the word of God. It will change us from the inside out. And that's what God wants to change us from the inside out. Give us a new set of lens. Give us a new way to think. And, and we study God's word and we honor it. It becomes clearer and clearer to our understanding what's right from wrong. You say, I want to know right from wrong. Don't look at the culture. Don't just assume. Don't think you're smart enough that I know what's right from wrong. No. Bible tells our heart's deceitful. It's deceitful. It will compromise. It will lead us astray. The only way we can make sure we're walking right is through the Word of God. It's our compass. It's our gauge of what's right and wrong. And the Holy Spirit will help us to see that. But we must be in His Word. And then once we're in a Word, we understand it. We understand God's way from man's ways. And that's what we need in our culture. Man's making so many rules and stuff. And we have the power to obey the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit that God gives us. We have to allow the Bible to be our corrective lens. We have to allow it to help us. It becomes a new prescription in our lives, and we see differently. We have a new viewpoint because we're looking at it through God's Word and not through the culture today. And it becomes not above the traditions that are going on out there. Any traditions in our own life? Jesus addressed how we know whether or not we're, we're holding the culture view higher. He tells us in verse 8 and 9. It says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus said their hearts are far from me. The reason he said, because they're holding and teaching the rules of man and holding to them higher than the word of God. That's how you know. 
And twice before, he said in verse 3 and 6, he said, for the sake of your traditions, for the sake of your traditions. But now he changes the language in verse 9. And he says, their teachings are but rules taught by men. And what he's saying is, this is what everyone began to think. Because everyone began to think this, this became the standard. It starts with one person starts to think, then another person, and another person. And the majority rules, and it became the rules became what they, they were learning, what, what they believed, what they were committed to do. And these teachings of men, he was saying, are not teachings of God. And so what's the difference? The difference is human race dictates rules and commandments that become binding and oppressive. And they're just not traditions or suggestions. They become rules in our lives. And what Jesus was saying to them right there, what he's implying, the commandments that you keep, they're of men. And when they asked Jesus, why do you keep the traditions of, of elders? What Jesus was implying, this is it, because they are not from God. And that's how we reply to other people. We reply when people, why don't you follow what they're saying in the culture? Why don't you follow what they're saying? Because it's not from God. It's not according to the word of God. And I can't follow it. I can't do that. We have to hold true to the word of God, don't we? We have to hold true to it. In Matthew 15, verse 20, Jesus kind of expounds in this whole hand-washing thing they're talking about. He says, eating with unwashed hands does not make a person unclean. Jesus said, the things that are making important, the traditions and teachings and rules of men are not important. What is important is the Word of God and to be obedient to the Word of God. When we know God's Word and we honor God's Word, our hearts draw closer, closer to Him, and we see Him clearer, and we're nearer to him. And when now we're starting to live by God's word and not what the world is saying. In Matthew 15, verse 8, he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They, their lips were saying all the right things, but he says their hearts were far from him. He says they, they weren't honoring God's word. They displaced God's word in favor of the traditions of men. And it says the worship became vain. It became a void. It was, their hearts were far from him. And he says this, their hearts were in the wrong place. And so the question comes, maybe you ask, how do I know if my heart's in the wrong place? Maybe I'm here today and my heart's in the wrong place. Are the views you holding on to in line with the word of God? That's how we know. Are there views that I'm holding on to? Not that I listen to what the culture says and I come back and I find a verse to support it. But if I studied the Word of God and I know it, that I know the views I'm holding on to, and I, have, I believe it because of what the Word of God says. Or have the cultural glasses you have shaped your viewpoint and risen it above God's Word? You say, you know, I, I know what the culture is saying. I can't find a verse in the Bible to support it, but I believe it. What they're saying is right. Or have you done that? If you have, you nullified the Word of God. And, I, and as I said, and I'll say it again, there's some Christians and people are out there and they're, they're interpreting what they want to believe in the culture and they're coming back in the Word of God and they're trying to find verses to support it. And you can find them. You can, you can kind of make Scripture kind of see what you want sometimes. And it seems like that's all right. And, and if you say something, well, God's Word says this, and oh, oh, really? Okay, so people back off. And they kind of buy into it. We see Christians that are doing that. But we never want to do that. We don't want to predetermine what we believe by culture, and then come and make God's Word say that. We want to read God's Word and examine everything through His Word, and then we determine if the culture is right. What people are saying is right, right? We have to examine that. And if you allow that to happen in your life, when you're bought into what the culture is saying, the way to fix it, we honor God's Word above all else. 
the authoritative word of God. We lift it up and say, God, your word is above everything. When we say that God's word is above everything, I mean above our culture, it gives us an opportunity to draw closer and closer and closer to God and to see him more clearly. And this, I, I wrote this down. The scripture is supposed to be like chicken pox when I was a kid. You have to pass it on. You remember when you were a kid and you got the chicken pox? When I was a kid, it was many, many years ago. Some just got it, but... When, when, I, when I was a kid and I got chicken pox, or somebody got chicken pox, all the moms would invite all the kids over, come get the chicken pox, so everybody could get it and get over with it. Get it over with. So it's like that. We want the Word of God to be held in self-high esteem, that you value it so much you want to pass it on. I want to pass it on because it's so valuable. Everyone needs to have this. We have to hold true to the Word of God above everything else as authoritative Word of God, above all other words that are being shared. You know, I want us today to live as courageously for Jesus. But I don't want us to nullify the Word of God. I don't want us to do that. I, 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 want, I don't want my cultural lens to rise above what the Word of God says, right? I want to hold firm to the Word of God. We don't have to be afraid of culture, but we must be careful. We must, have to, we must examine everything, everything through the Word of God. Just don't believe it. Just don't believe it. Be like the Bereans. They, they studied God's Word to make sure it was right. Let's be those kind of people that were studying God's Word to make sure it is right. Make sure it's correct. Just don't buy it because some people can take a little bit of truth and they share some things that aren't true and it becomes not truthful anymore. We want to take the unadulterated truth of God's Word and we want to cling to it. Amen? That's what we want. It's like someone who puts on those enchroma glasses. And I've shared that illustration. There's those... Uh, videos of people who can't see color. They're colorblind. And they put on those chroma glasses for the very first time. And if you ever watch those videos, it's amazing. They put them on and they take them off right away because they can't believe it. Their eyes, they put them on again and they see color. And usually, almost all the videos I watch, tears start streaming down their faces because what they see is amazing. I want us to pay that when we look at God's Word, that we put on the new set of lenses and, and we see God's Word and we're amazed at, at the beauty of His Word and the truth that it, that it just shares with us. That we're to honor His Word, the authoritative Word of God. That's to be our lens that we look through everything. And we take the Word of God. And we say, God, we elevate it. We say, God, your Word is higher. And Jesus, your name is above all names. And we put them in their proper place. And we trust God's Word and, and trust Jesus as our Savior our lives will begin to change because now we're walking according to God in His Word. But it means we have to be in His Word, amen? We have to be in His Word. We can't say, oh, I know that's where God's Word says. Do you really know that? Are you just assuming? We have to be studying His Word. We have to examine it. And I thought one of the best ways to declare that today and pro proclaim that is through communion this morning as we take communion. As our hearts were prepared for that this morning through the songs. Because every time that you and I come and take we com communion, we take it by faith as we come. We're proclaiming. We're, we're declaring to all as we take communion that we believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? That we say, I believe in Jesus as I'm taking communion. Do you realize you're saying that? Hopefully you realize that. That you're saying, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. Amen? That I believe that Jesus Christ was buried and rose from the dead on the third day. Amen? That I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we take communion, we're declaring the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the cornerstone of our faith. That's the gospel message. That's what we believe. And every time we take communion, 
we're making that statement. We're make, making that proclamation to the world and to all those who are in this place that I believe in this. And so as we take communion this morning and remember Jesus with the elements uh, through the, the, the little wafer and the little juice, then remember that Jesus gave his body and he shed his blood's blood for you so you and I can have forgiveness of sins, so you and I can have eternity with him, so we can live with Jesus forever and ever. And it's all for you that he came and died. And as we remember him, uh, the communion's for anyone. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, your Savior, if you've come and said, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, we invite you to partake with us this morning. And as we have the elements are up here, when I get done praying, uh, we invite you to come up, and there's two cups, one on top of the other, take them both, as we receive them all, at the end, we'll take them together, okay? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come and we praise you. We thank you so much, Lord, as we, as we come this morning, we examine the Word of God and what Jesus was saying in Matthew 15. With many of the things, Lord, that we're dealing with today, with our culture and what they're saying, and, and many things what they're trying to push on us to believe and accept. And God, your Word tells us that we can't compromise. We have to stand tall. We have to, we have to trust your word. No matter what, what may come at us, we can't accept things that are against your word. Help us to be people, Lord, who honor your word with our decisions and our actions. Help us to be people, Lord, who, who live for, for you. Not just in words, but in our heart. Our hearts have been transformed from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of your word. Help us to be those kind of people. I pray for each one of us here, Lord, as we prepare our hearts to take communion this morning, to remember that Jesus died on the cross so we might know our Father. He died on the cross for forgiveness of sins. He died on the cross, Lord, so that he might leave and send the, the comforter, the counselor, the one who would teach us all truth that the Holy Spirit now lives inside of all of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior. We can examine the Scriptures this morning, and we can understand your truth. And so, Lord, we come this morning as we take communion together to remember you, what you so graciously did for us, that you gave your body and you shed your blood because you love us so much. So as we take these elements, let us remember you. Let us celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let, let, let us celebrate the, the victory that you had on the cross. Let us celebrate all those things. Because of your victory, Lord, we have victory over sin, death, and the evil one. We come here, Lord, and we're declaring that we believe in Jesus. We believe in his death on the cross for our sins. We believe that he died and rose from the grave. And, Lord, we're making this declaration this morning as we take this. Lord, may we honor you in our hearts and our minds as we take this communion with you. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name.